This is Being Better, the podcast about the science behind mindsets and practices that make us happier, wiser, and healthier. My name is Julia Spohr, and I am your host. Join us as each week we break down scientific research and bring you true stories of people from all walks of life to help you make better decisions that will shape your tomorrow. I am Julia and my job on the show is to introduce you to new ways in which we can all become more joyful, more happy, wise and compassionate towards others and ourselves. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very glad you are here. I hope your day is going great and if it's not going great, that's okay too. It's fine to be down sometimes or it's fine to just you know not be energized I'm currently very tired um I probably did not I mean I I know that I I have not slept great in the past like two or three nights um and I'm currently very tired and it's okay not to feel energized and on top of the world um and yeah just feel sometimes tired it's okay it's completely fine and if you don't feel like you have enough energy to feel happy or joyful that's fine too um just you know be kind to yourself and be kind to others when you can quickly before i start talking about the topic of this episode i'm gonna recommend you something to maybe make you feel a bit better and this week this is going to be a novel um it's going to be turtles all the way down i think you've heard about this book before if you haven't it's a very popular one it was written by john green uh that john green who also wrote um the fault in our stars and I really love him. I love uh, him and Hank, uh, his brother. They have an amazing, amazing YouTube channel, which I love. And I actually, I found the channel before I read his books. I mean, I know that he had written books before. Um, but yeah, I decided to uh, try reading something because I love um, his videos. And I decided to start with Turtles all the way down uh, simply because... I know that it's not a typical novel and my recommendation is exactly about that. It's not a typical novel. It's not exactly like it's not about the plot points that you have in all novels, you know, that you have a character that is set somewhere that they have a challenge that they need to overcome and when they are close then something bad happens but then they overcome uh, that big challenge and you know there's a happy ending and this story even though it's like a mystery about this billionaire who disappeared um, basically it's about this girl Asa Holmes who's trying to discover what happened to that billionaire but the main thing that is discussed in this book and the 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 thing that everything is revolving around is the fact that she has an anxiety disorder um i mean it's not like explicitly said but she's you know she's living within this ever tightening spiral of her own thoughts and it's very interesting to see the world through her eyes and through the experience of 
you know, having these thoughts that she cannot escape. And this book really, it's like the best example of why reading makes you more empathetic because you can then imagine um, the lives and the experiences of other people struggling with different, uh, you know, mental health issues as well. It makes you more empathetic to all those different scenarios. Um, And I really recommend this book. I think it really has opened my eyes to what is it like to live with anxiety. Um, I personally have experienced, you know, those brief um, anxious moments that we all have. But I never really knew um, how is it to live with something more serious. So in that way, uh, Turtles All the Way Down were a great source of information for me because I know that John Green is writing also from his own experiences. He was also very open about, you know, going through all of that himself. So basically, yeah, this is going to be my recommendation. I'm going to link that in the episode description and yeah, you should check it out. And now when it comes to the topic of this week's episode, I want to talk about moving Uh, because this is such a big part of my life and a big part of my well-being and I feel like um, without sport you know even this podcast would never happen and so I really cannot believe that I have actually never talked about this on the podcast and I have not really dedicated a whole episode um, to why moving is so important for all human beings And look, I am aware that, you know, exercising is hard and I'm well aware that you know that it's good for you. And most likely all the preaching that you heard about why you should be doing it has never really motivated you to get up from the couch. Like for me and for countless amount of people, it has only filled you with a sense of guilt and disappointment and this is not what I want to achieve through this episode what I want to do is break down the science behind why moving is necessary for achieving any sort of health and happiness because I would argue that it is quite impossible to achieve long-term well-being without a sustainable moving routine Um, And notice that I'm using the word moving instead of working out or exercising and I'm going to dive into all of that and why I choose to say moving uh, I'm going to talk about that later uh, but yeah please make sure that you notice that distinction so yeah I would say that moving is vital and I think even though we all know that deep down most of the time we kind of forget about it and I think it will be actually very useful to ask yourself whenever you're feeling depressed or down or angry or stressed, when was the last time that I moved or I raised, you know, my heart rate a bit? You know, I was inspired to make this episode because I was chatting with my friend about my relationship with running and I told her that even though it's very often hard to make myself get up and get out of the door, when I eventually start running and play some good music that makes me want to dance and I just start running faster and faster and I, you know, I feel the wind on my face and it's 6am and everyone else is sleeping but I am out here running like a gazelle. This, there is just this feeling of ecstasy, something that really cannot be replicated by other activities. And, you know, it also might be the fact that I know that it's hard and I've gone out and did it anyway. And I think part of that satisfaction might come from knowing that I faced this challenge. And even though I know that uh, moving is hard, I did it anyway. Um, Yeah, but the wind in my hair and the music in my ears and that just makes me feel so 
free and almost invincible. Like I can do anything and everything. But at the same time, I know that I don't need anything else because this moment and the privilege to move is more than enough. Because I see this as a huge privilege, uh, not only to be able to run, but also to want to do it, you know. I'm well aware that there are many people in the world who don't have the physical ability or the mental strength to move. And there are countless others who just don't have the resources or don't have the time to even think about moving because they are too busy trying to provide for themselves and provide for their families. And so I have to say that sometimes I have this sense of guilt or just unfairness about just the fact that I can move and my relationship with moving because I mean, how lucky I am to get to experience this feeling of ecstasy um, and not have to worry about anything about, and just think about how great it is. And so, yeah, I am very aware of the importance and significance of moving. And I really want to share it with others, especially with people who, because of their experiences, their life, they cannot really discover it for themselves and this is why I'm making this episode in hopes that my enthusiasm and also some scientific facts can motivate you to get out there and do what you are designed for so yeah let me explain a bit why I'm saying that we are designed to move and first I'm going to talk about the influence that moving has on our brain and the first thing is that moving plays a big part when it comes to our logical thinking and cognitive abilities because as humans transitioned from a you know relatively sedentary ape-like existence to a more physically demanding hunter-gatherer lifestyle starting around two million years ago as i talked about in the previous episode go check it out um, we began to engage in complex foraging tasks that were simultaneously physically and mentally demanding and that may explain how physical activity and the brain came to be so connected you know scientists think that our physiology evolved to respond to those increases in physical activity levels and those physiological adaptations go from your bones and your muscles apparently all the way to your brain And this all comes from our history as hunter-gatherers, as the parts of the brain most engaged during complex activities such as foraging, you know, areas that play a key role in memory and executive functions such as problem-solving and planning. Those are the same areas that seem to benefit from exercise in many studies. And I mean, foraging is an incredibly complex cognitive behavior. You're moving on a landscape. You're using memory not only to know where to go, but also to navigate your way back. You're paying attention to your surroundings. You're multitasking the entire time because you're making decisions while you are, you know, paying attention to the environment, while you are also monitoring your motor systems over complex terrain. And putting all of that together creates a very complex multitasking effort. And... Yeah, practicing this makes you an objectively just 
smarter more logical person because through moving especially through moving outdoors you just practice all of those areas and kind of train um, your brain as a muscle and also this is why i'm making this distinction between moving and exercising you know lifting weights is most likely not going to have the same effect on you as going on a walk or running or cycling and i'm not saying that one is a better form of exercise than the other i'm just saying that in this episode what i'm talking about is those more ancient forms of moving the ones that we were truly designed for because the reason why exercising is hard is that we were never meant to exercise per se all animals should be as lazy as possible from an evolutionary standpoint i mean until very recently energy was hard won for most people and there were constant necessary ways that energy needed to be spent you know building a fire finding your food trying to survive so if humans struggle with not wanting to do any physical activity at all um, it's because we have evolved to avoid it i mean it's the most normal thing to avoid exertion that isn't you know required of us it's normal, it's ingrained, it's clever, it's practical. So in that way, it's like normal that you don't want to exercise. But moving is very important. And so what I want to talk about this week is that we need to incorporate more movement because this is what we are designed for. And another proof is, you know, aging. Because um, moving has that big impact on your brain and your cognitive abilities, uh, this is also why moving can be a form of um, increased longevity and cognitive abilities in older folks. So if you are not sufficiently engaged in this kind of cognitively challenging aerobic activity, then this may be responsible for what we often see as brain aging, where people start to show some diminished um, cognitive abilities. So the natural aging process might really be a part of reduced capacity in response to not being engaged enough because, you know, older people, they move less. And that might be one of the factors that can make their cognitive decline faster. Another proof as to why we are made to move is happiness you know there is nothing like an exercise induced endorphin rush but the endorphins only explain a small part of why movement makes us happier there are many other ways why moving makes us feel good i mean by lowering stress levels by helping people relieve anxiety and depression and sometimes even relieving physical pain uh, but yeah, first let me talk about the obvious. So when we move, our brain releases endorphins, dopamine, adrenaline, and endocannabinoid. And these are all brain chemicals that are associated with feeling happy and feeling confident, feeling capable, feeling less anxiety and less stress. And the reason as to why this happens is that endorphins are chemicals that are able to cross through the gaps between neurons in order to pass along a message from one to the next. And when endorphins lock into special receptor cells that are called opioid receptors, um, they block the transmission of pain signals and also produce this euphoric feeling exactly like opiates do. So endorphins act as both 
a painkiller and as the payoff for your body's reward system. You know, when you hurt yourself or when you eat a hot chili pepper, you may get a big dose of endorphins to ease the pain. And you may also get an endorphin blast from you know, talking to a stranger or eating a satisfying meal or being exposed to ultraviolet light. And that is because your body wants to reward you. This is like the payoff in the form of your body tapping into its own stash of quote-unquote opiates, which kind of are the endorphins, because it wants to let you know that you've had enough or something or convince you to do it again, you know, sometimes soon. Um, But apart from these happiness hormones, what is also happening is the release of myokines. You know, myokines are these small proteins that are produced by muscle cells in response to muscular contractions. So once they are released, myokines travel through the circulatory system to other organs and they are altering the biology of these organs. So when they get into your bloodstream, uh, their primary effect in your brain is to act as an antidepressant and change the structure of your brain. I mean, they literally begin to change the function and the structure of your brain in ways that make you more resilient to stress and can help you recover from depression and even anxiety disorders. Uh, So this is a way for our muscles uh, to tell us, well, this is hard and we need to become more resilient. So they send these proteins and yeah, our brains are just more resilient to stress. And another proof and which movement is so important is, you know, neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is the brain's ability to change and develop. And the way it is influenced by moving is simply by stimulating growth of new collections between cells in many important cortical areas of the brain. So research from this, in this case, UCLA, uh, by the way, I'm going to link all of the studies that I used for uh, this episode in the episode description. So if you are wondering what I'm talking about, it's all there. So research from UCLA demonstrated that exercise increased these insulin growth factors, which play an important role in childhood growth, in puberty and pregnancy. And it has also an anabolic effect in adults. So basically, it releases this kind of a hormone that is responsible for growth. And in that way, our brains are more able to change and develop and neuroplasticity is very important because it makes you learn a language easier. It makes you um, learn basically anything easier. You can just build those connections and become happier or learn math or whatever. You can learn anything because your brain is just literally more changeable. Yeah, and if that all wasn't enough, moving affects our memory as well. And the simplest way to explain it is that memory improves when it's being challenged. And it's actually, that applies to all reactions in our body. Because our organs adapt to the challenges and the stress they undergo. For example, if you engage in exercise, your cardiovascular system has to adapt to expand capacity, uh, be it through enlarging your heart or increasing your vasculature, and that takes energy. 
So if you're not challenging in that way and you save energy, your body simply reduces that capacity. And in the case of the brain, if it's not being stressed enough, it may you know, decline in well-being and decline in memory. So our evolutionary history suggests that we are fundamentally cognitively engaged endurance athletes. And so memory is hugely influenced by the amount of cognitive challenges that come from the involvement of the motor cortex, of analyzing your environment, of navigation if you are outside, you're making decisions, you know, keeping balance. All those things provide a challenge and this is exactly what is needed in order to have a good memory. So those are all the ways in which moving is vital for our brain and when it comes to you know physical aspects i'm sure that you know that moving helps us maintain a healthy weight um which even though i know that we have too high standards um, and kind of impossible standards and actually not true standards of what a healthy weight is weight is still an important indicator of health you know moving also prevents and combats chronic diseases and illnesses and it promotes healthy sleep and helps with insomnia and i'm sure that you all know these physical benefits of moving so i'm not gonna get too much into detail here but i also want to talk a bit about what happens when we move on a cellular level so you probably know that one of the organelles in your cells are mitochondria they are responsible for the production of energy and ATP. And what studies have shown is that when we move, we raise the amount of mitochondria in our cells. So the overall density of mitochondria in muscle tissues increases in response to workouts. And more mitochondria means greater use of oxygen to produce more ATP and therefore to produce more energy. So even though it might be kind of counterintuitive to think that through moving we actually are going to be more energized, more happy, excited and actuated, this is actually what happens. So this is why people who move more consistently have a good um, moving routine, they are going to be more energized on a regular basis because their body is used to needing to produce so much energy and they're kind of going to be very energized and kind of lively if they don't spend that energy on the exercise they're used to and this is something that i need to stress here all of the things that i talked about today all of those benefits and influences those only apply to you if you have a consistent moving routine and i mean most of us do have that but if you are living an extremely sedentary lifestyle and if you go for you know a walk once every couple of months the increase of your in your mitochondria and uh, the increase of your cognitive abilities this is not going to happen for you if you don't do it consistently so yeah all of that is great i know that you know that exercise is good for you and you may ask well julia what should I do with it? Um, and actually, what I want to do now is to kind of talk about ways in which you can move more. Because we all know that it's great, but sometimes it's just hard. Life gets in the way. We are busy. We're just not feeling like it. And we sometimes forget because there are other more urgent things that we need to get done. And, you know, going for a run is just not our priority, which I mean, fair. But 
let's just talk about different ways in which you can implement more movement during your day. And I think the first thing that you need to do is switch exercise for movement, is to make that mindset switch. Because like I said, exercise is not something that we are meant to do and this is something that we hate. So it's going to be very hard for you to exercise if you hate it especially. So I think the first thing that you can do is to implement more movement without actually needing to exercise. So what you can do is organize your life in a way that will make you find yourself in situations which will require you to move. For example, you can make yourself commute um, to work, to school, on your bike. You can go for a walk when you need to run some errands instead of doing that in a car. Also, you can, you know, instead of going to the coffee shop when you meet someone, you can meet your friends and your family on walks. Um, you can, when you have some time at home, for example, when you're doing some household chores, you can play some of your favorite hits in the background and, you know, dance a bit uh, for at least a couple of minutes. And not only that will make you move more, but that will also make you happier. You know, there's a huge body of evidence that shows that dancing makes us happier and my other piece of advice would be to find ways of moving that you actually enjoy you know not everyone loves running not everyone is able to run not everyone you know loves cycling and that is completely fine if moving in that natural way that doesn't require you to actually kind of think that you are exercising is not something that you are able to do then you know going to the gym and dancing and doing a hit workout that is all absolutely fine if you enjoy it if you don't enjoy that if you don't like going to the gym like I do then find different ways you know like I said you can go rock climbing you can go dancing you can swim you can like do literally so many things golf polo horse riding there are so many ways in which you can move and if you get you know your heart rate up a bit and if you engage your motor cortex then you will probably get those benefits that I talked about today so yeah just find ways that you will actually enjoy because only then you can build a consistent exercising moving routine and like I said without doing it consistently you cannot get those benefits and lastly what I want to recommend is ditching the all or nothing attitude you know you don't have to spend hours in the gym or force yourself into a monotonous or painful activities you hate to experience the physical and emotional benefits of exercise a little movement is better than nothing. So please don't think that you need a full hour for a good workout. You know, short 5, 10 or 15 minutes bursts of activity, like commuting somewhere, they can prove to be very effective. So too, squeezing all your exercise into a couple of sessions over the weekend, if that's the only thing um, that you can do. If you're too busy doing during the week, get up and get moving during the weekend when you have more time. So yeah, there are so many ways that we can implement more movement and I'm sure if you think about your schedule and if you think about what is your goal, if you want to achieve you know, certain 
numeric goal when it comes to your moving or if you want to run a marathon or if you just you know want to feel happier think about your goal and think about what ways of moving will get you there and remember that we are not meant to exercise we are meant to move and this is what i wanted to talk about today i hope that through this episode and through finding ways of exercising you know with good music and in beautiful settings that that works for me but i hope that it can also work for you and you can experience um the runner's high that i talked about um, before this is really this is like the my favorite feeling in the whole world it's just that ecstasy that you feel running through the forest at 5 a.m and yeah i really recommend anyone to try this um thank you so much for listening to that science breakdown um i hope that it was enjoyable and not too difficult to grasp Uh, my inside of the week let's talk about the inside of the week segment for anyone new here the inside of the week is just when i share something that i realized or a funny situation that i was in the past week and today i want to talk about that what i realized is the best way to get work done and to kind of make it enjoyable is to do work as a mean of procrastination. So basically, you know, I have uh, these tasks that I have on my to-do list and usually one of them is like the main task of the day that I usually dread because, you know, the way that our brain works is that we usually really don't want to do the thing that we're supposed to do at that moment. I think we all know that if you have to do you know, a report for your work, you hate it. If you have to do something else, like a presentation or whatever, then suddenly that report isn't that bad. So, you know, sometimes with the podcast, for example, when I have to do research or what I have to do, when I have to do it, it's like a main task, then I don't feel like doing it. And this is when suddenly everything else seems to be attractive you know procrastination is great and i'm sure you know the feeling that suddenly when you have to do something everything else becomes so interesting you know talking to your mother on the phone or vacuuming your floors or cleaning your wardrobe suddenly these things become very attractive and what i recently started to do is when I have to sit and get something done and when I really don't feel like it and when I feel like oh actually I would prefer to do literally anything else then I just allow myself to do those other things those other maybe less important tasks on my to-do list and I just kind of take advantage of this procrastination so um, for example when I didn't feel like doing the research for this show this episode what I needed to do is do some emails and I just decided to, even though I sat to actually just write and do the research, I decided to let myself do other things um, and procrastinate it. And because that was the way of procrastination, the emails that would usually be annoying, actually it wasn't that bad because I knew that actually this is procrastination and I'm avoiding something that I actually need to get done. So I think it it really is useful to kind of take advantage of the fact that, you know, at different points in the day, we have different energies and we feel differently. And sometimes the things that we sit to do are not the things that are 
the most productive use of our time. So what I recommend you to try is when you sit to work on something and you feel that sense of dread and that you really don't want to do it, then procrastinate, but procrastinate with some other task. So to do that, I would say that it's best to write all of the tasks that you need to get done um, in your calendar or planner And when you sit to do something and you don't want to do it, then pick something else from that list. And this is something that I was recently doing. And I think that makes work so much more fun because when an activity is a way of procrastination, I think it's just, it's more fun. So yeah, procrastination is great. Getting work done as a mean of procrastination is my insight of the week. I hope that it can be useful for you. I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode i hope that it was helpful let me know on instagram which is at beingbetter.pod or using the email address which is podcast.beingbetter at gmail.com let me know what you thought about everything that i talked about today and if you have any other thoughts that you would like to share with me i always respond i love reading your messages so hit me up there and yeah i want to tell you that your smile makes everything seem better When you smile, you make the world seem like a brighter, better place. So smile for me, for yourself and for the people in your closest surroundings. I love you so much and I will speak to you in the next episode. Being Better is edited and produced by Julia Spohr. You can learn more about the show and about other work over at our website beingbetter.info and the Instagram is at beingbetter.pod. If you want to support us, the best way to do that is by word of mouth. So if you can, please tell your family, your friends, and what the hell, also tell your enemies. You know, we don't discriminate on this podcast. So tell them about the show, tell them about why you like it and about why you like the incredibly amazing and very humble host. You can also share it on social media platforms and if you tag us, we'll make sure to reply. Thank you so much for joining us today and I'll speak to you very, very soon.